Welcome to the HowDoIRepent.org podcast. Well, welcome back, everyone. It is so, so exciting to be with you. We are so incredibly blessed to have the opportunity to work through our repentance, work through our discovery of the Bible and of all things spiritual, all things as they apply to us in this world with my incredible friends who uh, I'm excited to have back today for this podcast, Mr. Rick. How are you doing, brother? It's good to see you back I'm here. I'm good. On- Glad to be back. Good, man. I'm so, so happy to have you back. And as always, my incredible friend, Dan, welcome uh, today, Dan. How are you, my friend? Hey, I'm doing good. How's it going, Mike? Oh, I, I couldn't be happier. You know, we just saw, listen, you know, for all out there who are listening and who are as excited as we are, we are just about to 5,000 people engaging in this podcast. And it's, it's incredible because it's a message of repentance. It's a message of the truth of the word of God. And really what that tells us is that as God is pouring out his spirit, people are, are seeking, they're knocking, they're asking, and they're going deeper in the word. So we're so excited to have you back today on this, the How Do I Repent.org podcast. We want to jump in with a summary of last week, uh, last week's podcast. Now, we've talked about, you know, five kinds of sacrifices. We've talked about, you know, Jesus' sacrifice did not replace temple sacrifices. We talked about sacrifices not being a substitute for sin. Sacrifices are used to draw closer to God. They're actually called korban, which means to be near, to draw near. Sacrifices were there in order to engage and have communion with God. And, you know, the power of repentance, God accepts sincere repentance. And we found out that it's not just saying, I'm sorry, God. It's actually taking those steps of confessing, turning from your sin, putting measures in place, making it right with your brother, leaving your gift at the altar, and you know, only you can do repentance and restitution for your sin. And that's what God expects of us. We have to repent to make it right. And that's what is going to make an impact in this world. It was so powerful that Jesus said in the gospel message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist, repent, show fruit in keeping with repentance. So we want to jump in today. We had started to navigate into the suffering and the death of Jesus. And we were talking about the the power of the righteous suffering on account of the wicked. So as we start, Dan, let's jump into suffering on account of the wicked, the righteous suffering on account of the wicked. How can we how can we lead into this with some grace? Yeah, let's let's talk about where the thought of the suffering of the righteous came from. You know, if we think about uh, the thought of how Jesus suffering atoned for the entire world and, you know, where did that, where did that entire thought come from? And I, I want to go over this so that we help build a stronger foundation to really understand why it is we believe what we believe. And we have to start off and really say that the first thing above everything is the gift. It's a gift. Faith is a gift that God gives us. When he reveals himself to us, it's his gift towards us. So we can't. I can't make you, I can't make somebody believe in God. I can't make them believe in sure, Jesus. I, sure. You know, and so, so 
you know, it's just, it's impossible for us to do that. So we just have to really kind of start with that premise. So we just want to help explain why it is we believe what we believe. Right. And before we start, I want to actually give a summary. And I, and I, I think we need to give this summary so that we can kind of walk through this. That first atonement is a mechanism God uses to extend forgiveness to us. Mm-hmm. So the, so the word atonement actually is kapar, which means to cover. And it's a root word for a word called kapoor, which, is, you know, you may have heard of Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement is a time that's been appointed where God says, you can come before me. We can actually rehearse. Uh, the. We can practice what it's going to be like going before the throne of God. That's There's a the specific day that's detailed in Leviticus 23 that actually explains the Day of Yom Kippur. Right, because nobody wants to come into the presence of God unprepared. The, right. the whole fault is that that you know He is the King of the uni- He is the King of the universe, and we definitely need to be prepared before we stand before God. Right, and so we get a once a year rehearsal to do that, and that is the day of Yom Kippur. Um, now, from more of a church tradition, just an interpretation of Kippur, I think it's more of something that it means to repay a debt and to purify. We, we get that, you know, there's a, there's a scripture in Romans 5, 11, it says that, that we've received reconciliation through Jesus. So mm-hmm. it's, it's comes along this line of there's been a debt paid. And I think that's what really pulls it into thinking that the sacrifice is substituting for our sin. And so we just think, Hey, if I go sin, well, I can go do a sacrifice and it takes care of it. Right. And that's, you know, that was a discussion we had last week that, that that's not possible. Is that coming from when Paul writes, is, is that coming from Paul's all who, all who have sinned, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God in Romans, justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ? Is it, is it that idea of the redemption? Is that, is, is that where that idea of the Christian atonement comes from? couple theories that is really a base in Christianity, but one of them is the redemption. There's a cost for your sin, and so you have to be redeemed. There has to be a payment made. Jesus Jesus died for our sins, and that pays the penalty for my my sin. Right. His death pays the right. penalty. Right. That is what it's saying. That that process is reconciling me back to God. And, and right. so, so when so when we talk about you know the you cannot come to the Father except through me. You have to come through the reconciliation of Jesus Christ in order to gain access to be able to. It should be the starting point, correct? It shouldn't be the fina- the the finality of your entire faith. It should be the genesis of your journey, as like we talked about last podcast. It should be you coming out of bondage, the deliverer, as we as we associated Jesus with Moses, but now you're coming into the desert and it really needs to be a seeking, a listening, an understanding, working it out. But to come back to it and say, well, I've come out of Egypt and now I'm good. Well, you're just going to be left wandering. He lived a perfect, so Jesus lived a perfect life, right? And having died, having done that, it almost gave humanity the chance to, to start new, like Adam, like Adam started pre-sin. Yeah, that's what's taught. The 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 thing is that we we're missing in this equation is that the Torah teaches that forgiveness of sin comes through repentance. Right. Yes. And repentance has this process, this this step process where you're going through confession, 
and you're going through regret. You're stopping the sin and making the wrong right. Once you repent, then there's there's praying that we we pray for mercy to God. How did they get forgiveness before? What, what, if the Torah is the ultimate guide on forgiveness, the Torah was written before Jesus. Yes. How does Jesus play into forgiveness now? It's a great question. Well, you, Jesus preached you have to repent for the kingdom. Yes, I, yeah. So the the thing is, during the teaching, so what people are doing, they're taking Paul, and I've heard this more than once. If Paul says it, I'm good, and I don't need to know anything else. Right, right. So it's like all of a sudden I'm jumping into the middle of a conversation, and I'm listening to what Paul says, and I never – took the conversation from before that. And that that's just a, it's a flaw. So a lot of people miss the repentance. And what they've done, they there's people just preaching along the line, has taken and saying, repentance is to believe that Jesus died for you. And because you believe Jesus died for you, that covers you. That's what the, I would say the church at large stakes their salvation. That's the ransom theory. Right. That's the, that's, yeah, that's, right. that's, well, that's, there's that's, Substitute, uh, substitutionary atonement or ransom theory. That's what that, that's in theological doctrine. That's called ransom theory. And right. And there, there's a few of them. I didn't want to go into the technical side of everything because I'm not trying to take it that the, you know, I didn't want to take the conversation that way because we can get into a rabbit hole. But yes, that's what I was saying. It's redeeming. It's paying for a debt. You yes. sin and there has to be a debt paid. And, you know, well, you're, that's you're, not, but, but that's not, there's redemption and repentance are two totally separate things, right? Right. Right. Okay. So, so this is kind of where I wanted, you know, this is where I was wanting to say in the beginning. I wanted, to, I want to hit the summary, and this is really good. Atonement is the mechanism that God extends forgiveness to us. And I want, you know, I said atonement. The word atonement means covering. So if we go out to eat, go out to dinner, and we're all sitting down eating, and all of a sudden I say, "Hey, uh, waitress, I, I got everybody. I got this covered." Then I'll cover everybody, and you know, you don't have to pay. That that's the covering that you're talking about here. So, so there's what we're trying to do in this whole process is we want God to forgive us. Yeah. Atonement is a mechanism that God extends forgiveness and it's through that covering. Jesus has us covered that we can come in. That's we can come boldly to the throne of grace and we can pray and ask for mercy. But we want to go back to before that help. help there's a, there's a, there's a protocol. Right. Yeah, there's I want a to go protocol for Jesus. You know, yeah, there's a- I, I, I actually sat, I want to jump in here. I actually, you know, heard a, and I was online and I was watching and there were a group of pastors, um, not really sure the denomination, but the question was posed. So I, you know, exactly what Rick was saying. So I get the whole, at this point, Jesus, all of a sudden it started at Jesus. We have the opportunity, but what about before? And the, response was dead silence and really the only response was let's move on and so really i think that's a great question that we should jump into here for just a minute if we can escape down a rabbit hole this would probably be a good rabbit hole for just a second well that's the repentance process you you we've got to repent before and even jesus said it before you know you don't even come to the altar until you get it right with your brother Let's define repent since we're, we're used, let's define repentance and then and keep and then keep going down this line of thought. It, the four steps, which is confessing your sin. So you gotta you gotta work through the process to recognize that you have an issue and that you got a fault. Knowing is half the battle. Yep. And and sometimes it takes people ten years. Sometimes it takes people years to come to that point where they can confess that. 
I'm not blaming anybody. This is my issue. I got to deal with it. The second part is I'm, I'm stopping. I'm making a decision to stop that sin. Until I make that decision, I'm not, I haven't, you know, I, I can't, I can't just keep going and not make that true decision. You know, I, you know, I, I was, I, you know, and I, I had an addiction for years and I had to work through that. And I finally came to this point where I'm like, Hey, I'm going to quit this. And then it took me another seven years once I made that decision. So it, it's a process of saying, no, I'm going to quit this. Mm-hmm. Then after that, you've got to regret it. I mean, you've got to go through this point of regret because you're sitting there like, okay, God, I'm sorry. I've, I've really, I've affected the world and the people around me with this. Then I start regretting it. And then God wants us to make the wrong right. And so we have to start turning that around. And that's where, you know, it comes with prayer and counseling. And, but it's that process of you're working through it. Confession, remorse, um, abstinence, amends, basically. Yeah. That's very good. Okay. Yeah, now we can keep good. going. Yeah. Right. And, 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 that, and that actually, I just, a caveat of that is we, you know, you say, well, it started at Jesus Christ, but he was actually repeating what was said from the beginning of time. Or the beginning of creation. And you look at Leviticus, because we find that in Leviticus 26. So you go back to the very beginning of this process. There was an opportunity for repentance. There was an opportunity for reconnecting with God. So when when people ask, but what do we do before Jesus Christ? And I would then say, well, there was always an opportunity to repent. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2 says that the, they have the same gospel message that we have today so there was no difference right they they had to repent just like we had to repent right so this is really where it kind of comes down to this point like well what is what is jesus doing here and when we believe in him then you know how's all that play and this is where we're getting to this atonement he he gave us the opportunity to go in to ask forgiveness where god extends that forgiveness to us was he but, almost acting like an ark? Was he like, you know, the ark, you know, that, that people would run to, you know, the righteous run into and they're saved yeah. and, you know, that, that the destruction of the world or the destruction of mankind from our own devices, but you can almost put Jesus in a way as the ark. He's saving us from the coming destruction. Yeah. And Moses, Moses did the same thing. I he mean, did. Moses was, Moses was a, a person that God used, a righteous person. And God extended his favor and grace to the children of Israel. Right. And and that's a great, you know, we went over that last week. So if you're listening now, you've jumped on late in the game. That's fine. Go back to last week and listen to the lead up of what Moses did. We're not going to jump back into it today. But what Moses did, uh, mimicking exactly what Jesus did, but for the entire world. As Moses did for the children of Israel, uh, Jesus did for the entire world. So, so the second thing in my summary list was atonement is a part of the relationship that is the healing process. Mm-hmm. It's between us and God. So atonement, because we're going to lead in, we're, we're around this subject of, about Jesus, what he did. And it really comes down to the suffering of the righteous atones for the sins of the wicked. And, and, and Jesus was a righteous person. He was a righteous Jew. Fully righteous. Rest. Fully righteous. And his righteousness along with the suffering that he went through, atone for us. So you got to see atonement as a relationship healing process. When we go through 
suffering, we draw closer to God. And that's something, and it, it, so it brings us into this closeness with him. Right. And either we choose to trust him, and he works it all out for our good, or we pull away from him. It's like this testing, but it also is meant to heal us. It's to heal our relationship. The next summary point was our repentance is counted as righteousness. And we, we've got to, we've got to recognize that when we are repenting, it's just like it was, you know, the, the, the faith of Abraham was counted to him as righteousness. It's the same thing. When we go through this repentance, it's, it's the exact same thing. It's counted as righteousness. Right. So, so Dan, when the Bible says, be holy for I am holy, essentially it's saying, be righteous for I am righteous. So essentially, if we break it all down, you're saying the, the way to righteousness is the doorway through Jesus. He's provided that opportunity from from the judging in the moment that we sin, essentially. And he's saying, you have another breath to get it right. So act on the side of righteousness. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I think that's the most important point. You know, listeners, we've we've gone through this for so many years, and maybe you find yourself in the same situation where you've heard, well, you know, really, all you have to do is accept Jesus and you'll go to, you know, to heaven, you know, for the forgiveness of your sins, you'll go to heaven when you die. Well, yeah, that's a great point. But at the same time, there is a process that plays out beyond that when he says pass through the door that is that is Jesus. And, you know, to live holy, the Bible says, be holy. I've heard it said, you know what? None of us can be holy. We're not good enough. Let me tell you something right now. You are. God has created you in his likeness. There is such an opportunity for you if you'll only repent. And that, and I love what you said, Dan, is counted to us as righteousness, which means we can live a holy life. There were holy people in the world, were there not? Yes. Yeah. Because the they whole... repented. And, yeah. and Abraham did it, and he had the nation of Israel come out of his lineage. It's yeah. incredible. You know, the, this whole thing with the new covenant, we all say we believe in the new covenant. The new covenant is God's promise that he will change our heart and make us follow him. So if we say that we're not good enough or I can't ever be good enough to serve God fully. Well, that's it's it's totally against the whole understanding of the new covenant. The new well, covenant is God saying, I'll change you. So right. that you didn't will Jesus, do that. Didn't Jesus come in and say, well, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. He's, he's not wanting you to condemn yourself. He's not saying, well, you're never going to be good enough. You're never going to be able to follow every law. You're never. No, he's saying you have to give it a shot. You have work to do. Right. And we, and ultimately the fourth part of our, the summary is that the suffering, our, the suffering of us as a righteous person brings healing. And it is the process that God uses that we work along with Jesus. In his suffering, and it so, completes so the whole. So we are co-laborers with God, which means we have an opportunity to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, our Messiah, also suffering and being tempted in every way. But the caveat is, we must turn away from sin and reconnect with God. We must carry, you know, desire that same connection with God as Jesus did. Yeah. Romans eight seventeen, Paul says, if we're children and we're heirs with God, you know, and co-heirs with Christ, he said, if indeed we share in the suffering in order that we may also share in his glory, we, we have to go through the suffering. This atonement process, the, the whole understanding of the suffering of the righteous 
and it atones and it has an atoning power is really what the core of the rest of this conversation where we need to take this and kind of go through this and find out like where did this come from. When you sign on that dotted line, all of a sudden you're signing up to suffer with Christ. You know, I've, it, it's it's biblical, it's scriptural, you know, that we are to suffer on the sake of the wicked. So when people are going through these travesties, they're saying, why am I suffering? Because I'm a good person. I live a great life. I, I seek God with all my heart. And at the same time, they're going through these tragic situations. But understanding that your tragedy really aligns you with the suffering of Christ. So there's this story in the Bible, God's going to destroy the city. Uh, Dan, I think you know the story. Yeah, I'm about to talk. Yes, it's the story of uh, Abraham uh, negotiating for Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, God is going to destroy the whole destroy the whole thing. Abraham negotiates with them, and they come to and at first fifty good men, then it's ten good men, whatever. And eventually, the point, the the more, and then the moral of the story is though that the righteousness of those men atone or helped atone for the, the wickedness of the others. Yeah, it would have been God was going to allow ten people, ten righteous people, and He wouldn't if there were ten righteous people. In Sodom and Gomorrah, God would not have destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. But he couldn't find 10 righteous people. Oh, well, so if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, we have songs about it. We've talked about it. If God does not change, why are we expecting him to change on account of what we believe? You know, coming back to this and understanding this truth is very valuable because now the understanding is I need to do something about this. I need to become and live as a righteous person, and I'm going to expect suffering. Really, if we decide, well, I'm going to sign on the dotted line, I'm going to give my full and complete obedience to King Messiah, well, then we can't change the rules. We can't change what God had established before the foundation of the earth. And really, as righteous people, you know, there's a difference in how we face suffering in contrast to how the world faces suffering. We look at suffering as an opportunity to grow, to learn, to understand, to draw nearer to God. You know, and that's really when you come back to the law, which has had a really bad, uh, you know, kind of exclamation point put on it. You know, really, and we've talked about this before in previous podcasts, that it's really an opportunity to connect with God. And so as we're living out this righteous life, how you suffer when the world views you in suffering really is a testimony of who you are, not only in Christ, but as a servant to the Most High. So, you know, Dan, Rick, you know, we want to jump into, as we transition, we've hit really hard on the suffering of the righteous. And I know there is so much more. We could go on for days, but I really wanted to jump into what Jesus actually did away with when he died on the cross. You know, we read in Romans, we talk about Paul's teaching, and the teaching is, well, Jesus did away with the law. But what law, because there are so many, there's the law of measure for measure, there's the law of reaping and sowing, there's the law of sin and death. There's, so what really did Jesus do away with? Or is that even the right vernacular? Well, he's talking about the law of sin and death. 
I mean, he he he's clearly the oh, the law. What does that mean? So you say the law of sin and death. I see sin in there. So he did away with sin. No. So that, like what? What does that so, mean? So so if we go back and we look at you know just the, you mentioned the law of sowing and reaping. When we sow to this flesh, we're going to reap of this flesh. Correct. So if we sow to sin, we're if we sin, we're going to die. Right. The wages yeah. of sin is still death. The, the wages of sin is still death. Because we can repent. That that is that's counted as right. Ezekiel talks about this. I, I mean, he's basically saying, "Look, God will he he will cover the sin when somebody truly repents. He'll wipe away that sin, and that past sin doesn't have any effect on them." Ezekiel even said that the person who's righteous and falls away from God, his righteousness will be forgotten. It's you you can't just say this one time that I'm I'm okay and now I'm living righteous and I can go back to sin. No, it's a lifelong journey that you have to continually work through and, and stay in this right path. Yeah. You know, there there's once you have that understanding, you know, in Hebrews ten twenty six and you you operate in sin, he said there's no sacrifice left. Since we're we're in Romans, um I, I'm gonna read something to you here. Romans ten four, Paul explicitly states, For Christ is the end of the law of righteousness for everyone who believes. So he's it, it, so when when they point to Romans saying that Jesus did away with the law, he's referring to the law for righteousness. That's a mistranslation what you just read, and it's been brought out that he he's the aim of the law, and but people do use that scripture. I think say. it's very important to point out to all of our listeners if you and I had a great conversation with a great friend of mine. And the conversation went like this, Mike, I am so incredibly confused because I'm reading four or five different translations and every single translation has a different connotation. It has a different meaning to different words. It changes the whole uh, end result of the paragraph or the sentence. So, you know, where do I go to learn the truth? You have to go back to the context, the culture and and the encounters that the original people had and those, what they meant when they, when they wrote the Bible, you know, it's, it's very disheartening when you read a translation and then you find out that word is completely out of context and wrong. It changes the whole outlook of the sentence. Rick, what was it? What was it? It was Romans 10, what? 10, four. So my translation says, uh, I'm just looking, I just grab a Bible, I got a feeling that says, for Messiah is the fulfillment of the Torah for righteousness to everyone who believes. Yes. So, so, so Yeshua is the fulfillment. So he fulfilled the Torah, right? To everyone That's funny. Who so even, even with that statement, or so even with the, I guess, mistranslation of it, the synopsis for it then becomes, the end of the law does not mean the moral and ethical teachings of the law are invalid or irrelevant. And this goes to this, this part more is more in line with your translation, but rather that Christ fulfilled the law's demand, uh, demands perfectly on behalf of believers. Right. That and we're, a, hit, we're, that is an incredible point. Yeah. Here, listen, we are disciples of Yeshua. So that means we are to fulfill them too. We are yes. to do the same thing. Well, we're and, to try. 
Yeah, and that's right. We and you work through repentance, you change. And you know what? It took me twenty five years to work through some things in my life that I that I had worked. But that that is the fruit of repentance. If you stay at it, you stay focused on God, you keep seeking Him, things change. And what happened was through that process about seven years ago things started opening up and my understanding started growing and it started and I started it, things about the Torah started opening up. And today we live in a world where the right. Internet's there. Everybody can yeah. listen. It's much easier for people who are seeking to come in and God starts revealing things to them. So and, if he if he came, Dan and Rick, if he came as the example, you know, essentially when you're saying fulfillment of the law, he was providing an example for all of those who would come be behind him and saying, this is what I want you to do. I want you to follow in my footsteps. Well, then it's telling us that we have, you know, do away with all of those thoughts of I'm not good enough. I'm never going to be good enough and start to really dig in and really learn his commandments and really understand how he lives. Well, then you come to the, the law of sin and death and you say, well, Jesus died so that we can be resurrected. So, you know, as we look at his life, we say, if we live as Jesus, as Yeshua lived, then we have the opportunity to become and receive that resurrection into eternal life. You know, yeah. those who endure until the end will be saved, the Bible says. Right. And it's actually in First Corinthians 15, it says when Jesus overcomes all death, because his job is to resurrect us. Through sin, death came into the world, right? When when we think everything's decaying in this world because of sin. So sin leads to death. So the law of sin and death is that for sin, you will produce, death will be produced. That's the right. fruit of it. Right, right. Great point. So so the so in in Ezekiel, it's it lays out, it starts talking about this resurrection that starts that's gonna happen. And that is really where death has no hold of anybody anymore right on. Right on. And, and so that's where paul is is coming and saying look death this the law of sin and death is done away with because of what yeshua did through now, yeshua that's right through what he did look god picked yeshua that that you know jesus was the person that he that he gave this ability to to go through this he gave him the strength. He got resurrected. Paul even says, look, if it's not about the resurrection, our whole faith is in vain. This is the thing that we're all looking for. And, and it comes to this repentance because we have to fix the wrongs on this side of the world. Because we don't want to get to the resurrection and have all kinds of issues to deal with. Giving your life to Christ doesn't mean that you throw your hands up and say, Christ, you know, Jesus. Jesus, take well, the wheel. Yeah, Jesus, take the wheel. Do it all. I'm just going to throw my hands up. You have to, you know, if if anything, you look at the life of Christ, you are supposed to mimic and mirror that life, and that will produce eternal life. So when you look at him, he sinned not. So he's saying, I want you to do your very best to stop sinning, to determine not to sin, to set measures in place so you will not sin, and to make it right with your brother. If you look at the example of Yeshua, Jesus Christ, you you all of a sudden see the example that we're supposed to live. And that's the example that he lived, direct community with God. And what did that produce? 
eternal life that produced the name that is above all other names. And I understand the, the, I want to say the excuse of saying, well, I can never do that, but you must try. You must dig in. You must try to live this, this righteous life in order to attain this resurrection. And now it comes into focus, my friends. Now we see, oh my goodness, for so many years I've heard there's nothing that you can do. There's nothing that you can do. So Jesus did it all. No, he he did his journey. He did it with such incredible enthusiasm, grace, miracles. We have that same opportunity, but he was tempted in every way, but did, what sin not. You know, we dive into sin and we are going around this cycle of, you know, just dealing with it and suffering. But at the same time, my friends, it brings us into a korban, a drawing near to God through the sacrifice of the precious Lamb of God. If anything, the sacrifice of Yeshua, Dan and Rick, draw us back to the importance of drawing near to God and thus will create eternal life on that day of resurrection. Yeah, there's, there's a there's a reward for suffering. And Jesus said it. Peter said it in 1 Peter 2.19. And he said, for this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you suffer and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it and endure, this is the gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this is what you've been called because, because Christ also suffered for you. Wow. Leaving you an example. It's a part we 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 are co-laborers with him, and we are working through this. Suffering is a part of it. It brings us closer. There's a reward for it. And this is the system that God uses. Well, even the Bible says in Second Corinthians twelve nine through ten. Therefore, He said, "My grace is sufficient. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest upon me. It is for Christ's sake." that I delight in weaknesses, insults, difficulties, and hardships. For when I am weak, I am strong. It's a complete inner judgment of yourself and saying, where can I make corrections? I know that I am weak. I know that, that I have fallen short. But I am going to fight tooth and nail to live as Yeshua Messiah lived so that I can be strong so that I can make, you know, we all want to make an impact in this world. We all want to think that our lives and believe that our lives have the opportunity to make an impact in this world. My friends, let me tell you something, that your life can make an impact in this world when you start to live righteous. That's what sets you apart. Be holy, be set apart, live a righteous life, repent, that really does create forgiveness in people. That really does create the opportunity, you know, fertile soil to plant seed of life in those that surround you. You know, if you're in a situation where you're struggling with abuse, you're struggling with addiction, you're struggling with porno you know, pornography, you're struggling, just sit back where you're at right now and think, you know, what am I struggling with to overcome means that you start to not only confess 
You put the measures in place, but you make it right with those around you. You determine, I don't want to do this again. Now you're living as Christ. And now you're making an impact in this world and in those you love, the family that surrounds you. Imagine the difference you make in those that surround you. And they say, what is going on in your life? Well, right now you're living as Christ. You're making it right. You're you're doing exactly what he said. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Let's get some closing thoughts. Let's Rick, Rick, I want to start with you, brother. It is not all suffering. There is some great joys to being a follower of Christ and to being one of God's children. I know that the topic of this is suffering, but I just I want to close with a little story of, a, of some, one of the joys of being in Christ. My son, a couple weeks ago, a week ago, whatever, he did something at, uh, he did something kind of right before bed. It, it, it necessitated, it, it was necessary that it should have a punishment. But the problem was that, I mean, it was like at bedtime, we're getting him into bed, which I don't know if you've ever dealt with a five year old, but once you start that process of getting into bed, you don't want anything to derail it because, you know, I mean, it could be a process, it could be a thing. I had basically, as we're laying down to bed, we pray every night. And as we were praying, I had asked God to forgive him for his sin. Um, and we're, and I'm kind of showing, showing him how to pray or whatever. And I might have hammered it a little too hard, the sin part. And so the next day, my son Ricky had a really hard time with, uh, he was, he was acting out, what is it? And he just said, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to be part of this family or this house or part of God because, you know, because I, because it was, because I'm so bad and blah, blah, blah. I got to explain to my son the um, repentance and how it works. And, and he asked me, well, can we, can we do that? Can we pray for that? Wow. And I saw this, this, I saw this change in my son when he, a five-year-old, when he got the principle, I got to see that. That is a, the, the joy that came with that that I only have because I'm a follower of Christ and I'm teaching my son to be and the, the steadfastness that that gives you through hard times. So I just wanted to leave with that, with, with this story of out of, he was, he's five, right? So everything's exaggerated. So he suffered, you know what I mean? That night he suffered when he went to bed the next day, he suffered until we talked. But then because of that suffering, he got to have this immense joy and feel closer to God and feel closer to his dad and to his family. And so I just, it's not all suffering. There is great joy and peace that can come out of it. Wow. That, that is, that's a perfect. I that, love that, Ricky. That, man, that is, that is yeah. incredible. That, in fact, I'm that, so happy. you know, that, that hits on like my ending summary. The atonement is a mechanism that God uses to extend forgiveness, you know, and, and I'm just kind of relating it to what you just said, Rick, because that, you know, atonement is also the part of the relationships that brings healing. And, and I mean, it's exactly what was happening there. You know, our, our repentance is counted as righteousness. And the more pure our repentance is, the more righteous we are. And, and that, you know, us as a righteous person suffering, it just, it brings healing to this entire relationship. And, you know, and our, our suffering, you know, through our life here, along with Jesus suffering, completes the entire process that God has laid out. And, and that's where we're, we're co-laborers, you know, working together to go through this. And, and it, it is a joyous process. I mean, there's been times in my life when I've, when I've had to suffer, but man, it like all turned out for good. Things came out of it really good. And, 
Um, but it's hard seeing somebody go through that. But life, life ultimately, it's about the joy, joy of serving God. Uh, that's really beautiful, guys. Man, you're making me tear up. So, Rick, you know, as you went through that kind of suffering with your son, you as a father, how did you feel? Uh, conflicted. Um, uh, you know, because when I when I I did the thing, you know, we basically put him to bed, and I told them, "We're me and your mom are going to discuss punishment tomorrow. We'll tell you." And then, and I and then I did the we did the prayer, and I could tell that it was hitting him, or I could tell that he was taking it very. It, he was internalizing it quite a bit. So there's this. It, this is a long winded way of saying up until that point, until I had the conversation with them about repentance, and until we prayed, and until I saw that change come him come kind of closer. At, that whole intermediate period of that night and then several hours into the next morning, this very unsure, you know, you, as a, as a parent, just as a lot of times as a parent, you're like, man, am I, am I doing this right? And uh, let me relate this back to, but I have the, the, one of the blessings of being a follower of Christ is a, I have a book I can go to. To, to 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 check myself. B, I have other follow of Christ like you two that I can go to to check myself. And C, even if I don't get it right, it's as long as I'm repent, as long as I do the repentance and the atonement, I it, it will come back round. Yeah, I just I think it's it's amazing to hear that story. I think it's such a great example of a father's love, and you know, seeing his son really step up and say, you know what, I get it. And I want to change and I want to be different. How much more can we relate the love of the father to us where he's saying, you know what, I've sent an example and he has all the attributes that I've given to this earth. And, and all of a sudden you start to align yourself with that and you get it. And you say, you know what, I want to change. I want to be different. I want to grow Really, as a father, I mean, I'm a father of four. We start to think of, my goodness, this exactly what we want our children to do. How much more does the father want for his children to say, you know what, dad, I get it. And I'm sorry. And I'm changing my outlook. I'm changing my future. I want to grow and learn so that I can please you. How incredible is that story? There is a God who loves you. There is a God who desires for you to get it right. He's given you that quote unquote grace, that favor to, to, to breathe another breath to get it right. I want to encourage you as you're sitting in your car, as you're standing in your home, as you're kind of going through the motions of the day, that you have an opportunity with every breath that you have, that you can say, you know what, Father, I want to do better. And that's exactly what we're trying to do on this podcast. We're not trying to start a new religion. We're not trying to bring about new theology. We're trying to discern exactly what God meant when he said, I've sent my son to redeem the world. So follow his example and repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Ask, seek, and knock. We have another opportunity. My friends, I love you so much. I'm so thankful that you are along this journey with us. I love my friends, two very close 
people that I adore, Dan and Rick, with all my heart. And I want you to know that we pray for you, we love you, and we are excited at the result of what's going on. You know what? Go to our website, howdoirepent.org. Check it out. Go on the 30-day journey. And you know what? It's not about just 30 days. It's about a lifetime. It's about how you live your life and exemplify the example of our Messiah. God bless you so incredibly and keep you and make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. My friends, this is the howdoirepent.org podcast.